You're listening to keynote speeches from our Melbourne Podcasters live event series. These are recorded live at the events themselves and feature the best podcast professionals in Australia who reveal the craft and techniques of creating a successful show. My name is Adam Jaffrey. I'm Strategy Director at Wavelength Creative. We run the events and produce this show. Today's topic is how to produce a narrative podcast without a production team, featuring our keynote speaker, James Parkinson, host of the award-winning podcast, By Association. So, before we get started, I'd like to play a bit of a trailer from James's show, By Association, so that you can get just a bit of context for what the show is about. And then, tonight we're going to talk about how to produce a narrative podcast without the help of a production team. Football. Soccer. Culture. Football. The world game. The beautiful game. It's the global sport that connects people all around the world. And this is By Association, the documentary podcast that tells the stories that celebrate everything we love about football. From personal narratives to club histories and everything in between. Football really provided him with an escape. There's that expectation that this is the team that really represents the community. The football I really loved was the football you play with your friends. That's the real football. Things like football make you realise we're all the same. Join me, James Parkinson, for a brand new episode each month. Subscribe today at buyassociation.audio. So, to kick off, James, tell me a little bit about where you got started with audio storytelling. Yeah, so prior to to the show, I hadn't done any uh, narrative stuff before. Um, I'd done two previous shows with a background in audio production as well. So, the technical side of things, I kind of had down pat, knew what I was doing. But the narrative stuff, I had no idea. So, I had an idea for the show and then basically um, started researching. I spent about six months just kind of listening to shows, listening to how they're produced uh, and then, you know, researching the technical side of things. There are a bunch of websites that help you kind of do that, um, training websites and things just to learn a lot of the techniques and, you know, how the, the professionals that have been doing it for years put a show together and actually structure a narrative. I love that you uh, went through that process of going really deep into analyzing how other people do this. And I don't think many people do that. Yeah, it's overwhelming, right? Yeah. So you kind of, I mean, I, I had no idea. Like I wasn't afraid of microphones or editing software or anything like that. That wasn't new to me at all. But actually how to structure a story and put all that kind of, all those elements together, that was daunting for me, even with the experience I had. So uh, yeah, I thought it was important to do. And so that's what I did. So, tell us what you learned from that process of um, going through all these successful shows and learning how they structure a really powerful story. Give us the inside scoop on the secrets of how to produce a narrative podcast. It varies depending on the kind of story you're doing. And there are a lot of things that, there's probably a lot of things that I do that, that people in the industry would be like, oh, that's not how we do it or whatever. In a lot of ways, I kind of worked out my own way to do things as well. But really, it's it's looking for a great story, looking for something that, that grabs your attention, something that stands out to you that you want to share with other people. And I think doing any kind of podcast work, you've got to do something that you're passionate about. So football was, was my thing. Uh, it was something that, that I really wanted to chase. There wasn't much else out there at the time. So really it's finding a story that, that grabs you and has kind of certain beats to it and has kind of an overall you know, message that is actually going to make a story kind of sing, I guess. Tell me 
what are the steps that you go through to produce a narrative show? You know, you've got a topic, football, soccer, that you want to talk about, but how do you go from that um, and maybe talk about like on a per episode basis, go from that right through to having some produced audio that people can listen to? Yeah, so it's going to vary on the story as well. If it's a singular narrative, someone's personal story, that's a lot less work, but if it's multiple people and a, a longer story, more involved, um, that's a whole longer process. But basically it's once you have the story, you're researching it, you're looking for people to, to speak to, to interview, then it's working out how to interview them, whether they're overseas or whether they're here locally somewhere. And then once you've done that, then it's um, you've got the interview recorded, editing, I do probably two passes on an edit, and then it's transcribing. Uh, and then recording narration, then it's your mix basically, editing all that together with your music, sound effects, and actually structuring um, the story together. So there's a lot of steps there. A lot. And it can feel overwhelming, right? And I think we really want to give people a sense of empowerment tonight that they can go away and perhaps approach a narrative show themselves um, rather than just being stuck uh, with, with a whole bunch of confusion. So what are the maybe top three things that are going to make the, the rest a knock-on effect and take care of themselves? What are those three steps that you really need to focus on getting right to produce a great narrative show? Your interview is where things really start because that's where you want to get the good tape, the good recording. You want to get someone recorded who is speaking you through the story uh, and giving you all those kind of story beats that you want to hit and giving you basically the narrative on tape and, and making it sound good basically. So step one is the interview. Yeah. So what's what's the next most important thing? Actually writing the script and structuring your story. So that's where even if you have an idea of the story in your head, you've kind of got to get it down. And the easiest part, I say easy, it's still a lot of work, but transcribing and then writing a script is where you can actually structure it and see it all on a page in front of you is, is really important. And what's the last step? Uh, the last step is uh, narration tracking. So you've got to actually record your narration, not all... Narrative stories need narration necessarily. If you have a great, you know, personal interview, you can have someone guiding you through a story as a singular narrative like that. But but it's very common to have have narration, uh, and particularly for the stories I do, they're pretty involved, and you kind of need that guiding voice. So and that's a really important part because you are the guide for the listener, and you have to be approaching that in the right way, and that includes you know speaking naturally, speaking, telling them a story like you would be telling it to to a friend, basically. Okay, so I just want to jump out of the journey that we're on for a moment and just do a couple of quick definitions because you've mentioned a few words that I think might not sure. be familiar to everybody. So the first one that you kind of glossed over there um, and that people might not have picked up on was tape. You use the word tape. Yeah. What does that mean when you refer to tape? Look, it's just a, it's just a carryover from, from when physical tape in recording audio was a thing. Um, I've never used it myself personally, but it's just the lingo that you pick up as you do this stuff, as you listen to you know the experts and gain their knowledge and, and get into actually producing um, you know narrative stuff. It's um, yeah, it's just kind of the, the lingo in particularly from from the radio industry, but obviously a lot of those kind of people have carried over into podcasting. So tape is just recording digital audio these days. So when someone says get good tape, they mean get interesting interviews. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, and then the other one was tracking what's tracking tracking is just recording basically um recording your narration uh, it's mainly it's you know recording something that's pre-recorded essentially so the three steps just to remind everybody and this is what we're going to spend the most of tonight talking about the three most important steps that you need to nail when producing a narrative podcast one is interviewing for narrative two story structure and script writing and three 
narration tracking. So let's dive into the first, interviewing for narrative. We've done a live event on interviewing before. Um, Timbo Reid from the Small Business Big Marketing Show spoke here last year about how to get a really great interview. How do you need to approach an interview differently for a narrative show compared to an interview-based podcast? Very differently. So a straight interview, you know, record from start to finish. Yeah, maybe some cleaning up on the edit in there as well. But, you know, that's very simple. Um, You're just recording a conversation between two people, basically. But for the narrative, you're trying to get certain information out of a person, out of the interview subject. So that includes um, the facts of the story, getting them to walk you through the story from start to finish and getting them to reflect back on that story too. A big part of, of my show is, is the emotion. Um, yes, it's about sport, but the whole idea of the show is, is how that, that sport you know, impacts people's lives and how it weaves into, into you know, our overall culture. So emotion is a, is a big part of that. And why are you looking for emotion in an interview rather than just facts? Because facts are just boring. From a, a kind of documentary perspective, you're trying to get people to, to reflect on a moment in time. Um, you're trying to get that human side of things. And that's, that's what's interesting. And that's why people listen to, to narrative audio. That's, yeah, basically it. And so then the follow-up question really is, is obvious. How do you try and draw emotion out of people when you're interviewing them instead of just getting facts? Yeah, that is the challenging part. Some people are, are really good speakers um, and then they're natural storytellers. A lot of the time without even knowing it, they'll just be able to talk you through a story from start to finish. This happened, this happened, and this happened, and this was crazy and whatever. You're really trying to get people to, to kind of lay things out for you. So often the first question is, tell me the story of this event in your life. And they'll go off on that. And some people are really like, they'll give you short, sharp answers. So that's what you're trying not to do is to ask questions that get certain facts and information out of people. And then also on the emotional side of things, getting them to, to reflect on that um, and really give you kind of the details and the crux of a story and, and basically why that story matters. So what type of questions do you ask then to be able to get that? How do you structure a question so that you get an emotive answer? How did that make you feel? You know, it's a simple question, but a lot of the time that works. Some people, we have to ask that question like three or four times before they open up. You know, sometimes people aren't really kind of settling into, into you know, having a microphone in their face. So you ask the same, you ask the same question to, to somebody time after time. Sometimes. I might, I'll phrase it differently though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes if they give you a pretty blank answer, you can say, can you say that differently? Something like that. There's kind of those follow-up questions. And basically the big thing in this kind of narrative stuff, and it's still a skill that I'm still learning as I'm going and I'm still trying to hone it myself and it's not easy to do. But the big thing is you're basically coaching someone through getting them to, to tell you a story. So what you can do is, is really pull them through it with you and say, all right, well, go back. Can you say this differently or stop them and start them again? Um, so you can literally tell people what to say almost sometimes. If it's getting them to repeat facts about themselves, just getting it down in a real simple, simple way. So I think that's actually really interesting because this is very contrary to what I think most of the time how people approach an interview. I think most people approach interviews as if it's live to air. You know, you kind of go end to end. Um, if somebody stuffs something up, you just keep pushing through. Um, if you don't get the the moment that you want, you, you keep pressing onwards and, and you never kind of go back to that and you let people drag on and you let people take tangents. 
it's very different um, having a, a narrative show because you're trying to find particular pieces of audio that start to build out a story that you have in your mind, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think this is actually a really important learning that uh, we can all take away. You need to get the tape that you're looking for. Yeah, you might have the general kind of, you know, idea of a story. So you kind of know the gist of it, but you don't know the full details. And sometimes a story can change as well. They might give you something that's surprising along the way and then you, you, know, you go down that kind of tunnel instead of something else. So. But I think it's important to note that um, as, as, a, as a show host or a producer, you have permission to um, ask people to repeat something or to... Absolutely. You know, like, and that's very contrary to how most people approach an interview. So that's a really, a really yep. great learning from Because it's going to be edited and, you know torn apart later in the edit so don't be afraid to stop start all that kind of stuff that's that's really key quick side tangent here um out of let's say an hour interview how much of that usually ends up making it into the final product so my episodes range from 10 minutes to 20 minutes and i'll do most of the time i'm doing an hour-long interview with each interview subject a 20-minute episode you know we've got two out two one-hour interviews so a fraction of 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 that is going into the actual story. That's really fascinating. Mm. Like like a very small amount of it. And we, I think we know like from TV, right? Someone does a TV interview and it's like an hour long and it gets condensed into like a seven minute story, right? And there's narration and other grabs that they, they put into it. You just choose like the best stuff, obviously. And that's what that's what you're doing in a narrative podcast as well. I guess then what is probably the most pertinent question here is what do you actually looking for in those moments when when obviously when you're editing but also when you're interviewing how do you know oh that's like the that's the moment that I was looking for yeah when you have kind of a the basic story in your head sometimes you know in the actual interview itself not even in the edit um there's a great interview I heard with uh with Ira Glass from This American Life and he was talking about when he interviews people he's kind of editing in his head as he's going along and I'd never thought about that but and not to be like oh I'm on the same tear as our glass or anything like that but I'm like I, I kind of do that too I think like when when you're speaking to someone and they say something you're like that's a great moment and you know it straight away and you're like that's going to go at this point or that's a, that's going to be the combination of the of the story because they were really reflective in this moment or really emotive so um yeah sometimes you you do know those moments they stick out to you because it's it's conveying emotion it's um it's conveying a the the point to the story that that really kind of peaks I guess so we're going to do something fun here. We're going to do a little, a little bit of audience participation. We have a clip from an interview that James did uh, a little while ago. And I want to play it for you because it's actually quite pertinent to the topic that we're on right now. What makes a good interview moment? So this story is from an episode called The Anxiety of Football. Uh, so it's about the intersection of mental health and the game of football. Uh, so this story is a personal story about this guy called Aaron Wolf, uh, who's reflecting on how football became this uh, really important part of his life. He went through a big period of depression. Um, he was a baseball fan. He would sit around wallowing in the depression, watching you know baseball, which goes for forever. And then a friend got him into, introduced to, to football and the culture and, and everything around it just kind of captivated him. And uh, in this clip, he's reflecting on a time when he was at a pub watching a game. He's a Tottenham fan and a Tottenham fan from the UK was, was in New York where he is. And uh, they were conversing and, and getting to know each other. And I'm, I'm going to um, ask the audience after we play this clip, it goes for about 30 seconds, um, what you think and, and what you were feeling as you were hearing it. 
we're laughing and he's telling, he's asking me how I got into this, to this team. And I don't really have a good answer. And we're just talking and talking. And then suddenly there's a goal and we both leap up and he just wraps me in this giant bear hug. And I sit back down and my friend leans over. He goes, this is the happiest day of your life. And I was like, it is. Somehow, somehow it was. This was this complete radical acceptance of this stranger by the stranger of me because of this club. There was just no looking back after that. So what did you feel as you were listening to that clip? Yeah, John. Um, I sort of felt awkwardness at the start when he was struggling to sort of talk about how he became a, a member of that team but then when the goal was scored I was like oh it's this wonderful Asian moment as they kind of like bond through it and that kind of supersedes the awkwardness the first half had yeah yeah, there's a there's a big thing about um, people who are you know fans of a club from another country, right? And it's like, oh, I can never be a true fan because I don't live in that city or, or whatever. That's that's a, a common thing sometimes, I think. And and you think, oh, I'm not good enough or, or whatever. But he, um, yeah, he definitely had a moment where he was like, this is yeah, this team means something to me. And this fan who's from another country, like we had this this embrace and this moment. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like he doesn't feel worthy of being a fan at the beginning and then there's this moment that happens and he he's just thrust into this this world where he's just completely a part of it. Yeah, anyone else? Andy, what did you think? It's resolve. No, he's transformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that exactly that sort of anticipation of like it's about and then it's just all worthwhile. So it's that, yeah, I mean, I just think that sort of... Uh, yeah, he, he conveys the relief and the joy and everything in that moment. And it, it was basically when I was listening to that, when he was actually speaking it during the interview, I knew it was a, a culminating moment in his story. Uh, and I knew it straight away. And, and the emotion conveys that automatically. You just, you just know it within yourself. You can, you can feel it. Helps when you put the mood music over it as of well. Of course, right? <laughs> the music helps, but yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, Ian, what did you think? It is a shame, yeah. <laughs> Arsenal over here, so. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a world I'm very familiar with and kind of I can understand that, trans- even though I grew up with it, it's transformative, I can understand because it's so unique being in that packed club and having no room and then a goal goes in and you just, it's quite a, it's a lovely episode to, to Thank you. Exactly, yeah. The human spirit. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I wanted to ask James, and the reason we did the kind of audience interaction there was because I wanted to see what people were feeling about that that clip. And I have some thoughts on it, but I want to ask you, and, and we heard from the audience, but like, why was that a good moment? As I said, it was, you can feel the, the emotion and it was a culmination and it's, it's a, it is a transformative point. You can feel that there's a change there. And as he says, you know, as the, at the end, there was no going back. So it's just, it just conveys emotion. And it's, yeah, it's something that's also hard to explain as well um, in words. But if you can feel it, like, feel it. That's, that's 
the whole point of doing this show is is about that emotional connection. So um, yeah, sometimes emotions can't be explained, and that's a good thing. Yeah, and we talked about emotion at the top of um, this discussion here, and I think for me and Andy, actually, you mentioned it there. For me, there was like a human. A humanness there that yeah. he was kind of revealing and he's talking you through a moment like step by step as well which is another massive thing for narrative getting someone to to convey a story to you him walking you through a moment in time um, there's a, another section to that episode where he's describing being in a pub and it was a big rivalry game and and people are throwing beer and and the beer's flying at the tv screens and he's describing the smells and he's describing just the atmosphere and everything and someone who can do that is a really good storyteller uh, i got super lucky with this episode but he was really good at talking me through step-by-step -step points in the story but then also reflecting on those moments and being descriptive and and describing emotion so just before we move on to the next um of our three topics just to wind up this section about interview and and getting great tape how do you manufacture how do you manufacture moments like that from an interview, what what sort of questions are you asking? And we kind of covered this a little bit before, but like now that we've heard the clip, maybe what was the question that you asked that led to to that moment? I don't remember exactly, but um, yeah, it's it's it is a lot of those kind of basic questions, like how did you feel in that moment? A lot of it's basic curiosity. You want to know about an event in someone's life. But you're kind of digging into into that moment and and getting in deeper and tell me more, tell me more details, you know. Um, a lot of the time it's like, and then what happened next? What happened next? That's really like, just get them to keep going, keep going. Simple questions are often the best. And if they're a good speaker, they will just kind of keep going. But um, but it, it does get difficult when, when people are giving you short, sharp answers and things. Definitely don't ask yes or no questions. Why did you feel that way in that moment? You know, those sorts of things as well. So yeah, you just don't want dead ends basically. Actually, I thought when you said, tell me more, is actually really powerful because quite often people won't answer truthfully on the first go through or even like at least thoroughly. Mm. They'll just give you like kind of a surface level and you say, tell me more about that. Yeah. And then you get the real answer on the second or the third go through. So Yeah, that can happen too. And sometimes like I will go back to a question. They'll give me a really basic answer or something. I'll move on, but I'll make a note to go back to it. I'll say, I want to go back to this part. Can you convey like what you're feeling at this point, you know, and just kind of ask them again a different way or, or something like that. And, and often if they are giving you like basic answers and then later on in the interview, they've actually kind of warmed up a little bit, then they're actually in a better position later on to give you those more emotional answers. So yeah, sometimes it's just a bit of time as well and allowing that time for someone to settle in if they're being you know a bit daunted by being interviewed and, and sharing, particularly if it's a personal story as well, not everyone's keen to, to open up, but obviously you've got to gauge that as you go into an interview, but sometimes people are just difficult. Okay, big learning moment. Um, interview for narrative is very different to interviewing for an interview-based show. And so don't be afraid to ask the same question more than once or to ask why or to, to get people to explain more. So I love that. The second topic we're going to delve into today is story structure and script writing. So once you've done an interview, you've obviously got um, a whole bunch of audio. Um, you've got a bit of a rough idea of how you may want to piece this puzzle together. You have a vision for what you think the story is going to be for that show. But, you know, how do you, how do you stitch all of, you know, sometimes you might have more than one interview. 
how do you stitch it all into a cohesive story? Yep. So the first step is to um, do your initial edit. So I'll do the first pass will be literally just getting rid of any kind of crap that I don't really want that's irrelevant and really just keeping the good stuff basically. But that's not always, that's not everything because that's still, that's still like, you know, 50 minutes, 45 minutes of an hour long interview sometimes. So that's the first pass. Um, that's when I start writing my script and getting the, the story kind of in my head and I'll start writing it out and then I'll look for those moments that actually slot into that story and start scripting it and have an idea of kind of where the story is going to go and how I want to open with the story. But in that, even those parts that I'm going to slot in, even those can get cut in half sometimes, you know. So it's still that's, that initial edit is still way too much that's actually not going to make it into the story. Yeah, well, when you have, you know, maybe two hours of audio and you're trying to get down to a 20-minute episode and you're going to be narrating half of it, there's not much left that kind of gets um, told by other people. Yeah, and there's multiple edits too, by the way, sometimes. Not all the time. Um, I don't have, you know, I do this monthly. I don't have the luxury of like doing three different script rights and stuff like that. So I'll try to cut it down as much as possible, but sometimes I'll, I'll rearrange things and I'll say, okay, no, that should go towards the middle of the story rather than the start. I don't want to like reveal that moment yet or that piece of information yet, something like that. So yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of changes that happen in there. Um, so there's a lot of time between that first kind of initial, you know, structure to, to what actually makes it into the final piece. So you've got, when you talk about script writing, I assume you mean you're actually at your laptop typing out in, you know, Google Docs yeah. or Microsoft Word, yep. like what you were going to say. And also, you know, talked about transcribing what, what your interview subjects have said. Mm. You're literally like building the episode in a Word document. Yes. Talk me through that. <laughs> yeah. So it's literally a script. It's I say this, they say this, I say this or whoever, whatever order it goes in. That's the, that's the real, that's where the story comes together. Uh, and that's the, the most time consuming part, I guess, of this editing something that I've done for a while. So I'm pretty fast at that, but um, yeah, the, this transcribing is, is slow. I don't trust machines just yet. Um, and they're all expensive services anyway. Um, so yeah, I do it out all, all by hand. And so why do you build the show, build the story in, in, a, in a Word document rather than just building it in your editing program? A script is, is, is helpful for a lot of different things. You can read it and if the story flows well and if it kind of hits kind of certain uh, narrative kind of points, you can, you can read it and it flows like that. And if it flows reading it and it sounds natural to you, then it's probably going to you know, work in, in audio format. Um, the other thing as well, if you end up wanting to pitch that story to another show, another uh, a broadcast or something like that, like I did with um, the episode for, for NPR, um, they want a script. Um, and that was, a, that episode that I pitched to them was a 20 minute piece and it got cut down to a 10 minute piece. So basically they used the script to like, to highlight and chop like what was gonna stay and what was gonna go. Um, so it's really handy for, for that kind of thing, but it's also handy for me just to actually see it visually in front of me in a, in a, in a structure that isn't audio and yeah, just to kind of get my head around it and actually plan it out. It's just so much easier. And also because when I'm editing, uh, I don't record my narration until the very end. So I can't really hear a story playing out as it would be in the final piece if I've only just got you know, the interview segments there that I'm actually using. That's really fascinating. You know, the fact that you're producing audio, but you actually basically build it in, in a written format. 
James, you mentioned something before that I do not want to breeze past. You said the word narrative points. You talked about hitting narrative points in, in the script and, and in the story. What do you mean by that? So every every kind of narrative has like a you know beginning, middle and end basically. But in between, there's also other moments as well. And the, the, the culminating points. So how do you write a story in a written format for the ear? For audio, how do you write for the ear? The challenging part is, yeah, trying to write in a way that is is conversational. Uh, you want to tell a story kind of like you're telling it to a friend. You don't want to sound like a robot. You don't want to sound like a radio announcer. Like You don't want to sound like you're reading from a script. You want it to sound as natural as possible. So the way you do that is you write the way you would speak it. You know, if you're reading your script back, because what I always do before I've actually recorded my narration, I'll go through and I'll, I'll read the script and I'll play the audio bits for that before the music's even added. Uh, and I'll see if the story flows, if it makes sense, uh, if there's bits missing that don't you know kind of line up. And if that doesn't sound natural when I'm speaking it, then you've got to rewrite it and, and change that. Um, and that's, that's not easy to do. I've probably, I could probably go back to old episodes that I've done and pick apart stuff and say, oh, I've, I would never say it like that or, or, or whatever. And yeah, it's not a not an easy skill. It's still something that, that I'm definitely still honing, trying to be as natural as possible because when you're hearing a story, you don't have all the visuals with it. And the big thing with audio storytelling is that humans have been telling stories by voice for years. Forever. Forever. <laughs> for as long as we've existed on this planet. And, and are there um, particular parts of a story that you try and emphasize given that there's no visuals around it you know like are you, are you particularly talking about you may have to visually describe what something looks like or the or the feel the smell of the grass at the ground or like those kinds of things yeah sometimes you will you'll just you'll be descriptive about things um and a lot of the a lot of narration is filling in the blanks in the story you know you won't necessarily get all the facts from an interview or someone might be they might give you all the facts but they might not give it to you in the interview in a cohesive way so if you can't edit that down to a nice cohesive kind of um, cut of an interview, that just gets scrapped and you just go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you all the facts in a real edited, you know, written way. And that way you're writing it out from scratch. So you get to control, you know, how it's delivered. So while we're talking about narration um, and, uh, and, and how you tell a story um, through obviously the, the grabs that you've got in the interviews that you've done, but there's parts that you obviously contribute to that. And we're now moving into the the third part of tonight's um, proceedings. Let's talk about narration tracking. What are you trying to channel when you when you you've obviously written a script? Now you're sitting down to actually record it. What do you channel internally when you're trying to um, track something out or record your narration? I guess you want to put yourself into the story as much as possible. Um, you want to get yourself into the moment. So you're reading the script and you know exactly what's coming up next. So you want to lead into that and you want to kind of match, you want to match the tone of the story. Um, if it's a real serious story, you don't want to sound happy and upbeat. That's just not going to work, right? So yeah, you've got to, you've got to match the tone of the story and deliver things in a, in a natural way that match the story you're telling essentially. And so what makes good narration? Narration that is, that sounds natural, that sounds like you're, you're just telling the story to a friend as much as possible yeah and it's just trying to be conversational if you're sounding like you're reading a script and then that's yeah that's not what you want um even though everyone knows that the show is kind of is scripted you still want to deliver it in a way that just sounds easy to listen to so and sometimes you know i'll try and 
ad-lib a little bit within narration tracking and try to make it sound conversational. So I want to play a clip of some of your tracking and this is another moment for some audience interaction. Um, while I set that up, can you set the scene for what was happening uh, in the story um, when, you were, when you were narrating this part? Yep, so this is, again, this is uh, the Anxiety of Football episode uh, from the clip we heard before. <laughs> and this is setting up the whole story, basically. Uh, so after my little intro, this is, this is uh, setting up the, the narrative and getting you prepared for the story you're about to hear, which is, you know, quite a serious story. But there's also, and I hope you can detect it, um, a hint of something else that's, you know, to come as well. Whether you're a player on the pitch or a fan in the stands, the highs and lows of the course of a football match test our nerves and pull at our emotions. It's a unique experience where intense feelings are concentrated and heightened. There's also a parallel with emotions we experience in our own lives. This is especially felt by those who struggle with mental health issues. But football can often be an outlet and a comfort when we need it most. So what did you feel when you heard that clip of audio? Yeah, Ian. I felt it definitely wasn't a piece of audio that you'd expect from a sports podcast. Mm. Interesting. What would you expect from a sports podcast? What would you expect like uh, ESPN, welcome. Yeah, thank you. And you're setting up the story and you're trying to convey, you know, what that story is about. And yeah, quite a serious subject, but also, yeah, trying to also to hint that this isn't the end of the world, um, that you can push through these kinds of things, which Aaron does, you know, in the story. Yeah, there was a nice cadence to your, your delivery there, I think, that, you know, it wasn't completely slow and solemn. You know, you kind of... Had a had a had a low tone of voice, but there was still a bit of a, a beat to it. It felt like there was progress in what you were saying. Yeah, a big part of narrative is you want to kind of keep the listener engaged. You want to give them something in every in every part of the story that's going to keep them listening and trying to pull them through a story. Essentially, Pete, what did you think? It was considered and conversational, and um, the inflections at your throw line at the end. You're waiting for the next sort of grab to come in, so it wasn't like. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you're going to continue with the narrative. You're waiting for, for a grab to come in when you set it up. Yep. So you have, you have the, the right inflections to. Thank you. Yeah. And tone of voice and delivery, like the human voice can sound so many different ways and we can say things so differently. And just your inflection on a word or a sentence can mean something differently or convey something differently if you say it in a different way. When I'm tracking audio, it takes longer than you would think because I'm doing multiple takes and I'm just trying to 
bit of a perfectionist as well, but I'm also trying to, you know, trying to convey the right tone for that point in the story and just the story as a whole. And you'll notice in some stories that I do, when there is that turning point in the story and it changes and then my, my delivery changes to match the change in that narrative. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I, I love that. What are some pitfalls that beginners to narrative storytelling might fall into um, or some things that you've perhaps fallen into along the, along the path when tracking narration? Yeah, getting too, getting too involved in, in the words that are on the screen or the page. And by that, I mean reading it too much. You've kind of got to almost, like I'm still reading it as I'm, as I'm recording it, but because I do it multiple times, I kind of have it already in my head. So I kind of know what I'm saying ahead of time when I've done like four or five takes of a, of a section of the script. So you're trying to make that sound as, you know, even though you've recorded it five times previously, you're trying to make it sound like the fir- that's the first time you've delivered it. That's the first time you're telling that story. Essentially pretend you're telling it to someone. You know, it's going to sound more natural. You've, you've explained a lot of really interesting techniques and some amazing tips and tricks that people can use to get started. How do you manage all of these elements though? And like, it can seem a little bit overwhelming. How can we, yeah. how can everybody in this room not get overwhelmed? It depends if you're, if you're starting out and you've got no prior podcast experience, you've never edited audio before and you're going to try and do a narrative show. Whoa. Watch out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to get overwhelming. It is. Um, fortunately for me, I had you know, production background, so I wasn't daunted by the technical side of things. All I had to do was get my head around how to build a narrative. Um, basically, I just tried to yeah, learn as much as I could ahead of time and not be afraid to just take it slow in, t- in terms of jumping into it, basically. But the way I kind of manage things is I you know, use the, the tools at my disposal to, to try and manage multiple stories at one go. So I use an app called Trello, which is really good. Um, so I'll be able to put all types of information in there. So story ideas that I'm working on, current episodes that are in production, you know, scheduling interviews, all that kind of thing, just to actually have everything down of like what I'm working on at one time. Um, Cause yeah, it gets, it gets a bit much. I guess I just try to try and schedule things out in a way where I'm not like completely swamped by it. But I don't know. <laughs> did, did you, when you were getting started with this, right? Mm. You'd not done it before. So there's, yep. there's kind of a, a throw to everyone that, you know, like uh, you can do this if, even if you're inexperienced because yeah. James basically taught himself how to produce a narrative podcast um, with, you know, the tools and resources that are available out there, um, which we can talk about in a second. But did you throw out any episode? Like, did you produce any trailers or pilots or, or whatever and then just can those and go, that's not good enough, let me try that again? And, like, how do you test and learn? Yeah. People feel pressure to, like, make a show and get it out into the world. Especially if you are starting out, like, take a step back. You don't need to share it with everyone. If you're starting out and you've got no, like, audience, no foundation to build off, you're probably not going to have many listeners from the start, even if your stuff is really good. Um, so I reckon just... Yeah, take a step back and just focus on creating and just make, make, make. James, you've used a phrase uh, a couple of times tonight, you know, I'm still learning myself. Um, and I've noticed that. And, and I think it's quite telling that, you know, you are doing some amazing work and you've, you've received awards and are nominated for more for the content and the show that you produce. But there still is an element within you that says, I can do better. Um, and I think yeah. that's a really healthy growth mindset that 
someone who's doing well has got um, and you've obviously had that since the beginning of the show as well. Mm. So channel that attitude of, you know, continue learning. Absolutely. Um, there's a great interview with, with Ira Glass where he's talking about storytelling and starting out and he plays a clip of his very first piece that went to air on public radio and it's terrible. Uh, and he admits that. And, and basically, yeah, again, the only way you get good at it, which he says, is to just do a lot of work um, and you hone it over time. And yeah, I can go, like, I didn't put any episodes out um, I had about three or four kind of in the can ready to go, but that was, I didn't do any trial episodes. Like what I made was what I put out eventually. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's just practice, practice a lot. So audience questions, we've got one already teed up. Do you feel like it's um, more sense to follow a set question set or do you just let people go with and, and follow the frame of where they are and then where they're going? Or do you try and stick to your script? Oh no, it's a bit of both. Um, you've definitely got to follow the story where it goes. You'll feel that as, as the interview kind of continues. I will prepare for an interview with set questions of things I want to ask, particularly points of a story I want to, want to nail um, and things that I want to get on tape. But definitely if someone says something surprising or, oh, tell me more about that. Like, oh, hang on, what happened there? Or, and a lot of times like you'll get little anecdotes within a larger story and that might be, might be interesting enough to include as a side note in a story or sometimes it might just get cut, but definitely go down that rabbit hole if it presents itself because you never know where that's going to lead. Um, they might have this other element or this other, other story in their life that happened to them. Oh, by the way, this crazy thing, you'll never believe. But anyway, enough about that. And they'll hang on a minute, like chase that story. And if it ends up being a bigger story, hey, it may turn into a whole nother episode. Who knows? But go with your natural curiosity and definitely chase that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've just finished my first narrative recording last Congratulations. Weekend. Nearly killed me. <laughs> Um, my first narrative recording with an interjection of an interview. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about my next and I wondered your approach. It sounded to me like you, and tell me if I'm wrong, you go into your interview first and then think about what you want to get out of it. Or before the interview, do you go, right, this is how I want this story to go. This is the narrative kind of flow and then go into the interview. Or what, what's that process for you? So that will vary story to story. Um, For example, a story I did was about this young kid who was 15 and went into Real Madrid's uh, youth academy. Uh, And the story basically is about him, his time in in that academy and it was was terrible. Um, He only lasted a year and he was cut and there was no emphasis on actual education. He's a 15-year-old kid and there's all this emphasis on being a footballer but most of the kids that go through that don't actually make it. So that was kind of the crux of the story. But this was actually, this guy, this guy he's now like 24. He wrote about it in an article for like vice.com. Uh, and I just came across that article and I was like, this is a great story. Managed to track him down. And he, you know, he wrote it out in, a, in an article. So all those kind of story beats were there. And I could see the, 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 the story arc written out on a page. And I was like, well, that's basically it. There were a few other kind of details and things that, that were brought up in the interview and some things that made it into the edit, some things that didn't. But yeah, the structure was already kind of there. Other times it might be a, a story in history and I will know about it. I know like the basic facts of what happened, but I don't know the personal you know, involvement of that person in a story or how they're going to reflect on it back from you know, years later or something like that. So 
Sometimes it's it's I, I have a gist of what's going on. Other times I don't. For example, the um, the anxiety of football story. I planned that as an episode looking at the issue of mental health in football and, and how those two worlds kind of intersect. And the plan was to interview three to four people and just talk about those issues in kind of this, this kind of structured piece. And then as I was putting the word out for that story, Aaron got in touch and said, hey, I've got a story to share. I was like, cool. He gave me the run, general rundown of it and interviewed him for it. And I was like, well, this is the episode. This is the entire episode. The rest got scrapped because I was like, this is a great story. So, yeah, sometimes you'll go into it thinking you've, you're going to make something in a certain way and then something will surprise you and, and change you. And, and in that case, it was, a, it was a good surprise. It was a good, it was an even better story and an even better episode. How do you find your sources and how do you convince people to speak to you? Yeah, finding people and finding stories is the hardest thing. Again, if someone's already written about a story or they've expressed it in a certain media, they're obviously willing to get that story out there. For most of my stories, most of the episodes, it's something that already kind of you know exists within football history. It's maybe maybe been written about. So in that way, yeah, things are the, kind of the details are already out there. So it's it's a bit easier. But yeah, in some cases, you don't get anything back. People you'll chase people and and they'll say, oh yeah, I'm happy to talk, and then later on they'll shut you down and you don't know why, but maybe it's they're busy, but the story comes first for me. I won't say, oh, I want to interview this person because I think they know about this story. It's basically, here's the story and who can tell it. Sometimes it's, it's a personal story, so that's easy. You're going directly to that person. Other times, it's if it's a historical moment or an issue, it's finding the best people for that. You're looking for someone who can give you maybe the facts and then someone else who can give you a personal account of it. So that kind of varies, you know, story to story too. Um, thanks for coming along. Thank you again to James. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.